Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series, which I do in conjunction with David Greenberg, Special Advisor at LRN. We take a look at the white paper published by LRN entitled, What's the Tone at the Very Top? The Role of the Board of Directors in Overseeing Ethics and Compliance. It's clear with each new headline, there's a crisis in corporate leadership. You name the scandal. Me Too, retaliation against those who speak out, unrealistic financial targets, and pressure to meet them, toxic workplace cultures. But what about uh, each one of these questions raises the larger question of where was the board? So what's the tone at the board and what are corporate boards doing? In this special five-part series, we take a look at why tone at the top is so important, understanding and game planning uh, for your board of directors, why CCOs do not have enough time and enough depth with the board, what are the metrics uh, that a board should be looking at, and how should boards hold senior management accountable, and finally, what's the road ahead? It's a fascinating exploration of a very timely topic I know you'll enjoy this special five-part podcast series. This special five-part podcast series on the role of the Board of Directors in a best practices compliance program is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Episode three, not enough time and not enough depth. What do you do about both? Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with David Greenberg, Special Advisor at LRN, and we are in the middle of our five-part exploration of what's the tone at the very top boards of directors and compliance. David, first of all, uh, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. David, today I wanted to take on what in the last episode I call the double whammies of not enough time and not enough depth. So you have touched on some of these a little bit earlier in our uh, presentations, but I was wondering if you could give some more thoughts, or your thoughts rather, and certainly your experience as to why boards of directors do not put in enough time required uh, to make ethics and compliance a priority. Sure. Well, I mean, I think there are some fairly straightforward answers to that and then some deeper more complicated ones. At the straightforward level, as we've talked about, committee and board agendas are completely packed and things fall off. Um, Boards are dealing with long-term things, but they're also dealing with a lot of very urgent things, um, urgent challenges and opportunities, and it leads to a real time crunch. And Probably the worst time crunch is for audit committees. Um, I'm on an audit committee of a, of a publicly traded company, and we have so many mandatory, time-consuming, you know, legally required items that consume you know, most of our agenda. And it's very hard to break out of that and give time for things that you know, are important, but maybe not as urgent and not as formally required um, by law and regulation. The other thing is that board 
boards like other organizations fall into patterns of activity developed over time. There's a kind of groove, if you will, about what's important. And that can be hard to change for newer items unless those newer items are just, you know, beating you over the head. And, you know, establishing the right corporate culture and climate, I think, is understood by board members as really important. But it's not one of those things that is, you know, beating you over the head as we've got to focus on this now. It's a kind of important long-term thing that can sometimes just be kind of left on the sidelines. And Tom, as we've talked in our, in our previous episodes, the overall lack of board understanding um, in this arena obviously contributes to not giving ethics and compliance enough time and priority. So those are sort of some straightforward answers. There's a, a more uh, complex and to me a little bit scary one um, that I want to mention. And that is ethics and compliance can feel a bit soft and hard to get one's arms around. And I think in the back of their mind, some boards are not quite sure that there's much that can be done to influence behavior or create the right culture. Unless management is really showing them a path in that direction and really giving them insight into the state of culture and the state of behavior and how sort of the complex system of people working together in an organization is coming together to either produce, you know, strong results or poor results in terms of culture. I think the board feels a little bit at sea. So I think everyone has to step up from all directions. Um, the chief compliance officer from below, if you will, the board from above, um, creating some expectations and management in the middle, putting its shoulder to the wheel to really understand the cultural dynamics and incentives in a company that, you know, lead to bad behavior on occasion and not enough good behavior uh, every day. So, David, the um, time element uh, that you talked about, and if I could maybe rephrase what you said, uh, some at the end on the more uh, nuanced reason is is many boards may feel this to be not only a soft and squishy issue, but actually a hard issue. How can a um, compliance officer help a board to understand not simply the importance of this, but the steps to accomplish improving culture, the steps to accomplish assessing how employees feel about the corporation, and then the other stakeholders a board must concern itself with? I mean, I think you have to, you have to start by um, painting a, a really big picture. And we are sometimes in our, in our field of ethics and compliance, not given the time or not creating the space somehow to create that big picture. Um, when you, you know, have board reports that are about how many calls did we have to our helpline? 
how many thousands of people did we train on what topics? How many investigations did we have? And, you know, how did those go? You're, you're starting down what I'd call a very tactical, small bore path instead of starting from a big path, which is, you know, what is the state of our culture? Um, how much misbehavior have we had? And what are the underlying drivers? How much trust do we have in this organization? How, what are the barriers to, you know, speaking up and speaking out as necessary or challenging authority? You know, are we, what are the incentives that may be creating, um, behavior and outcomes that we're actually not seeking? If you can't ask those questions and start from that vantage point, um, you're continuing to create a sort of narrow point of view on ethics and compliance. And I'll tell you something else. Um, that kind of presentation on ethics and compliance isn't very interesting to board members. Um, you know, you, they're people and they want to be presented with, uh, topics and ideas that challenge their thinking and, you know, um, cause them to pause and be creative and try to add real value. And I think the way we have presented and talked to boards about ethics and compliance goes in exactly the opposite direction. So with the, um, questions that uh, boards should ask, do they actually need to be trained, uh, perhaps not by their CCO, but by really an outside expert about the questions they even need to pose to a CCO? Yeah, I think think in general, that would be great um, for for a couple of reasons. Um, Boards tend to be made of people who respect um, outside expertise. Um, I've been in situations in boards where a chief financial officer said something over and over again for months and the board kind of yawned. And then, you know, the CEO of one of the big four accounting firms came in and said the same thing and the board was riveted. So I think some outside perspective on this stuff, you know, can be helpful. But I I also think, um, you know, chief compliance officers simply have to start talking to their executive teams about these big questions and showing them why they're important, showing how you can collect hard data um, to help bring the issues alive and, you know, at the same time, hopefully start a similar discussion with the board. But if they don't have a relationship with the board, then they've got to make the case to their management teams that boards need to focus more on this. So, you know, we're caught in a little bit of a, uh, a bad cycle here in terms of one reason boards don't devote a lot of time and attention to this is that management isn't serving it up as something important to talk about. And then that hamstrings the chief ethics and compliance officer in his relationship or her relationship 
with both management and the board. So to go back to your original question, some outside perspective on what good actually looks like, both in terms of board oversight and in terms of excellence in ethics and compliance, is always a helpful thing. And I think boards are interested in hearing what others are doing. You know, I think that's an interesting topic for them. Like, how are other companies in our situation handling certain things? I, I find that as a board member, that's very um, eye-opening and leads to all the right questions. Well, David, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But once again, I've been visiting with David Greenberg, Special Advisor at LRN. I hope you'll join us tomorrow in our next episode where we take a look at uh, metrics and senior management. David, thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of our special five-part podcast series on what's the tone at the very top, boards and compliance with David Greenberg, Special Advisor at LRN. We're going to link to this report in the show notes, so check it out. It's chock-packed with lots of great information. I hope you will join us again for another episode of this special five-part podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.